Hi, this is Scott Bakula, and you're listening to TrekMate. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the TrekMate podcast. Its continuing mission to entertain, enlighten, educate, and talk all things Trek. To boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Make it so. Prepare to attack. All hands battle station. Don't worry. We will get to the bottom of this. I don't want excuses, I want answers. Am I authorized to enter the neutral zone? How do you think that tells me about your character? Captain's log, stardate 3541.9. Program complete. Enter when ready. Hello and welcome to Trekmate. My name's Wayne Emery. Where's Mark gone? I thought you had him. <laughs> uh, my name is Matt Warwick, and uh, you may have noticed that uh, someone's made a reappearance. Yes, no, that's it. After a long time away, uh, I have crawled back out of my cave <laughs> to uh, rejoin uh, the Trekmate crew. And uh, unf- unfortunately, for now, Mark's having to step aside uh, for because he's starting a new job, so he's really busy at the moment. And uh, but I, he should be joining us at some point in the new year. But when because he's got a huge commute and everything, we aren't going to hold him to anything. We just hope that his new job goes well and that he because uh, he's even got two to beam up to uh, contend with as well. So that's the thing. Uh, at some point, I'm sure Mark will be back. But until then, myself and Matt are going to uh, fly the ship, and uh, we. we we're convicted to make sure that from this point on the show is consistent. We're now back for good. Yeah, there's a, there, at what level of consistent? We're not quite sure yet, but we'll we'll be consistent. No, go up for the top bar. Go up, up for the there. top bar. There, yeah, okay. Yeah, up there. No, so that's the thing. We've had a bit of time away. Uh, last year got a bit mucked up. It was for multiple different reasons. Uh, I cut off my finger. <laughs> oh, oh, oh! So, if, if you're not uh, watching the video, be thankful. Yeah, no, that's it, oh, it, it's fine now. It's when it was hanging off. So yeah, that put me out of action for a while, uh, in a lot of pain for a while, and then that just meant consistency got fucked up. But still, we'll make sure that we're uh, back on form from this point on. And we have got a long show for you today, so we better crack on, Matt. Yeah, so we've got today, we've got uh, our old friend Larry joining us, and he's bringing in some of his friends from the Enterprise in Space project, so hopefully that'll be a, a fun thing for everyone to listen to. So, I think without further ado, shall we get started? Let's go. And we're now being joined by uh, our good friend Larry Nemechek, uh, and also two of his associates from a very exciting project called Enterprise in Space, uh, Buck and Sean. So, welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for having us here. on. Uh, yes, Wayne, it's good to, he- good to hear you back on the air, Wayne, and it's good to be on. <laughs> oh, thank you, Larry. No, it's, it's nice to be back. It's, uh, def- it's, 
it's amazing how much you miss the podcasting scene when you're away. So, yeah. yeah well, no, you miss the chance to have incredibly interesting people and projects like Enterprise in Space. Exactly. So, I tell you what, since you're already on that role, Larry, did you want to tell our listeners a little bit more about uh, the project? Uh, getting on Google Plus or getting into EIS? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because one that's, is seeming like it's just as much of a road as the other. No, I'm just kidding. That was a little <laughs> that's the other side of the room joke. Yeah. No, I wanted the two guys that are on here today are just two of the incredible team that found me a few months back to come in and be kind of spokesman and, and promoter and head that up. But they've been working three or four years. Sean is the actual founder and idea guy. Buck is just one of the incredible people he's brought on the team. Um, and basically. <laughs> it's like if you're a fan who also, you know, we've got all the talk today about Orion going up. Uh, that was what's going on today as we record this. We had a couple of setbacks a couple of months ago, on, but today we're successfully testing Orion. Um, it's all part of that energy that so many people, Trek fans especially, but science fiction fans that are forward-thinking and love Gene Roddenberry's Futurism or Heinlein or Asimov or anybody else, and it's like, you know, where's my flying car? Let's get to space already, guys. <laughs> and um, Sean's somebody that had the idea of, hey, we've never had a real enterprise in space. Let's do something about that, and I don't want to steal his thunder, but this whole thing is basically putting a, a partly or mostly crowdfunded, four years down the line from now, actual eight-foot orbiter craft – Designed by someone in the world who's inspired by sci-fi, uh, loaded down with over a hundred experiments from students, kindergarten through grad school, who have won and been who have submitted and been chosen, some aerospace technology demo projects, a couple of which we already have on board that are very exciting, and and then re-enter and come back for tours and display, and. The big push behind it is going to be a big grassroots, I say crowdfunding, not Kickstarter, not Indiegogo, but simply the thing of, hey, two million people give $20, that's kind of our mantra, and you're a virtual crew member, your name is on a chip that flies, so that when all is said and done, this thing happened, and you were a virtual crew member on the first real enterprise in space. Which, for a fan, is extremely exciting. And to be honest, from uh, somebody who has always appreciated science uh, throughout uh, my school life, it, it's also equally as exciting that today's generation could uh, potentially have some of their projects go up into orbit is a, a phenomenal idea. Yeah. Well, yes. I mean, once you let 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 shine, but that's that's it. And we don't have any of our education people on because a big chunk of this is going to be aimed at a uh, uh, Lynn Zielinski, who is a we call her our education superstar. She's a two-time I forget the name of the award, but it's basically NASA's Educator of the Year twice. She's the only one that's done that. She's won a slew of other awards. Mm -hmm. She's overseen um, she's overseen students' experiments on the shuttle like six times. Overseen suborbital experiments from students. She's a longtime teacher herself. She's amazing. She's got a team that's amazing, and they're going to have this huge outreach to teachers and to the general public as part of our program too, to 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 ramp up to get those submissions in. So I'll I'll speak a little bit for her, but I want to get these guys on. But um, that's going to roll out. This isn't supposed to launch till 2019. We need all the time in between to build the craft and fabricate it and conduct all the uh, 
the outreach for education and get the experiments in. But we're we're about to wrap it up. We even have a design contest going right now for the orbiter, and later mm -hmm. on we'll have a mission page. So it's very small d democratic. It's very grassroots. That's what Sean wanted. I'll shut up and let him talk about it. But but we're talking to you guys and around the world too because it's it's meant to be international in scope. It's not just an American thing. But you you should have Sean talk, which so, makes it most exciting. Yeah, please tell us more, Sean. So uh, one one thing I just want to add on Lynn, uh, she won the two-time uh, Goddard Memorial Space Education Award, the only person in history to win that twice. That's um, it. She won the Presidential <laughs> Award for Science, Teaching Science. She was a physics teacher at uh, Glenbrook High School. Um, she won the Alan Shepard Award for Technology, um, but she's also flown on, uh, student experiments up on six shuttle missions. Um, and some other NASA rockets, so she really has a lot of experience in doing this. Um, so, so what I'll, you're saying is you have kitted your team out with the top dogs. They're they're the best of the best. <laughs> yeah, um, and we're I still always look at Buck team. and think, I always look at Buck and think, what a top dog you are. And, yeah. and uh, Buck is my uh, VP and project manager, and uh, Buck helped. I'll let him talk. Um, but Buck helped put uh, Citibank's e-commerce uh, online, the largest financial um, online. Uh, Buck, what's the term for that? <laughs> Largest online financial system by dollar volume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Alice Hoffman, a director from the National Space Society, and she's our uh, project manager, director on the NSS. We're a National Space Society project, um, so we're a nonprofit. So uh, your $20 uh, virtual crew member to Enterprise is also uh, tax deductible, just to know that we're a nonprofit organization. If you're an American listening to this, your $20 yeah. And part of it actually stay. internationally is also partly. Um, so I started this project four years ago. Um, I was flicking the channels. Uh, Star Trek Next Generation came on, and I was thinking to myself that they had flown Gene Roddenberry's ashes into space on Columbia, um, but that there had never been uh, Enterprise in space. Um, so I started from there. I've been working the last uh, four years basically 15 hours a day, um, put to have an awesome team that was enthusiastic and uh, joined, the, joined the team um, and became a National Space Society project, nonprofit, um, and we have just been working from that point. Um, it is a $40 million project, which psychologically some people think, oh, I got to give $40 million, <laughs> um, but that's not the case. Um, it's a $20 uh, one-time uh, membership or, or donation to become a virtual crew member on on the first enterprise that goes into orbit. But feel free to give more if you like. I was going to yes. say, 20 bucks isn't that much. So uh, another aspect of this is we also have Rod Roddenberry's endorsement, uh, Buzz Aldrin's endorsement, Hugh Downs, Nichelle Nichols. Um, so we have some really excellent endorsements. Um, and the list is growing. And the list yeah. is growing, and then not just our team members, but our actual board of advisors um, range everywhere from aerospace engineers to actors and artists and musicians. Um, we want to incorporate um, STEAM into the project, science, technology, engineering, arts, and math, um, and even writing skills. Um, so our, our objective is to uh, not just be... Uh, uh, some kind of vanity project, um, but to actually, when I started this, to 
it, it wasn't just to fly a model into orbit. It was to fly an actually a working spacecraft carrying 100 yeah. student science experiments. Yeah, somebody said, why don't you just fly up a, didn't you tell yeah. me this? Somebody yeah, said, a couple times somebody fly up a model or an yeah, inflatable. Model just or a inflatable. And I was like, yeah. if you're going to go through this much work, um, and, and for the first enterprise in space, it should be um, carrying uh, an actual science payload. Something yeah. that's a real exploration. Something that's a real exploration, yes. Right. So we're we're looking at demonstrating and pioneering new technologies, um, inspiring and encouraging space enterprise. We're developing the educational part. Um, we are looking at uh, 3D printing, laser-based communications. Um, you know, with Orion just coming back, that was using some brand new uh, thermal protection heat shielding that we're looking into um, because this is a big deal. Uh, you know, NASA and other countries have brought things back in a few private companies, um, but that's a big technological issue is bringing the ship back out of orbit. Um, and then afterwards, they'd go on a tour for a while and then go into a major museum after an approval process. So you or your relatives would be able to go to, uh, say, the Smithsonian or uh, after approval process and see your name on a computer that you were part of the project. Which is just so cool because you're definitely targeting the right demographic because the majority of Star Trek fans have a like a high appreciation for science and something like this just really is inspirational. So uh, well, that's what out. we kind of thought. <laughs> I, I was talking to Andrew. I'll tell you a quick little story here. I was talking to Andrew Prober and he told me uh, back when they were doing the Next Generation. Um, they had some people come in on the set to do some PR, um, and everybody wanted to be in the captain's chair and get their picture taken. Um, and these two guys came in in white lab coats, and they went to seat them in the captain's chair, and they said, no, 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 um, we want our picture taken by the warp coils. And they were actually two NASA scientists working on the warp um, back in the day, and, and that's where they wanted their picture taken was by the warp coils, uh, not necessarily in the captain's chair. But, uh, but again, a lot of uh, NASA scientists, a lot of engineers, our team, were all very inspired by Star Trek, um, and people have gone into careers because of it. Um, yeah. one of I don't think I tell you guys about there's always been this big, huge mutual love affair between NASA and Star Trek people. One, one of the space companies uh, we're working with, um, I was working with them for a year, and they're helping on engineering and everything. Um, I was working with him for a year before he mentioned to me that one of the questions when they hire is, who's your favorite Star Trek captain? Uh, and part of that was not necessarily who the captain was, but part of that was, if it's Kirk, he'd be more risky. If it's Picard, he'd be more reserved. Um, and I thought that was pretty funny, uh, that that's one of the questions in their interviews to hire new employees. And Cisco and Janeway? And Cisco and Janeway are, are in there as well. Um, we, well, if they chose course, Archer, it means they have a lot bigger range of cable channels. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's amazing how many rocket scientists and, and engineers and uh, people have been inspired by Star Trek and science fiction as well. Um, it's huge. It's huge. Yeah. Um, and went into the careers. Yeah. Definitely. So, so, Buck, can you tell us, uh, like, 
what your part within the project is at the well, moment. Well, I'm I'm the very disciplined. Um, <laughs> Probably the least creative person involved. Uh, I'm very business oh, oriented, and so I'm uh, I'm the one who worries about schedules and budgets and quality control contracts. I work on those things. Um, I deal mostly with information, and the thing that is most appealing to me about this project is the opportunity for all these people who are very inspired by Star Trek to contribute in especially in terms of creating using their creative energies which everybody on this podcast myself accepted uh, has a lot of uh, creativity that I think I probably lack and the ability to design experiments to design the look of the orbiter to come up with these crazy ideas for new things that nobody's ever thought of that is in the joy that we get out of watching Star Trek and then to have that come down uh, be in the Smithsonian or wherever the actual orbiter ends up being and to be able to say yeah I was on that or yeah I did this uh, yeah I supported this uh, I have this certificate on my wall of I was a virtual crew member here's the here's the graphics there's there's some uh, graphics that we're looking at doing where you'll have your your photo um, on the orbiter like maybe on a view screen or somewhere with the earth behind it that would be absolutely um, just a, a great thing to have for many years and something you can take pride in that expresses that loyalty that we have to this uh, fabulous vision of Star Trek kind of a um, what we wish were the best of our future, our best possible future. To the future. I just want to take issue with one thing there. You're a very creative fellow, my friend, and I, we've met and I've seen you present now. But, don't, Buck don't, is being, don't Buck is being that. He's a, he's a great out-of-the-box thinker, so Buck that's is, a creativity all in itself. Buck is being humble there because he's done some wonderful yes. uh, Starship vlog videos. Um, he's done a wonderful video on our uh, Enterprise and Space page um, to explain the project, so he's being, he's being humble there. Um, he, he, he does keep us in check and, uh, you know, using the word devil's advocate uh, in a good way, um, the Columbia disaster, the lead project manager came out and said, hey, if you don't have a devil's advocate on your team, hire one uh, because you also want somebody to do checks and balances. Um, while we're really enthusiastic, Buck's behind the scenes keeping us in check. <laughs> well, we've had – and we've had uh, some dogfights. <laughs> the project is big. That's expected. Yep. <laughs> yep. So Buck is very creative. What's, what's amazing that. to me, yeah, he is. That's why I was like sitting here squirming in my chair the whole time he was talking. What's amazing to me though is since I've only been with these guys about six months in depth. I mean, a year ago, um, Sean came to me and said, "Hey, would you be basically a, you know, a small celebrity on our board of advisors or something?" And I said, "Okay, sure, yeah, that'd be great. This is an amazing project." And then about six months ago, I really he said, "Would you come on and kind of be, you know." full-time or mostly full-time promoting and I said sure and and that's when I really got to know these people and got in on more of the weekly meetings and saw they've been how they'd been working for two three four years um, but all these all these appeals uh, are what or what got me um, got, got me excited and I instantly saw how really the audacious thing here is not the mission that it's gonna fly on a SpaceX booster 
That's the budget. We'll be a secondary yeah, payload. Preferred to launch that. vehicle. Yeah. So my, my point is, to, to coin a phrase, it's not the rocket science that's audacious here, and it's it's partly the outreach that 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 Sean and Lynn and everybody have planned on the education and the public information. Because I also see that as another blow for rationality. We've had so many people it feels like attacking science and attacking rational thought and attacking, you know, shrinking back from the future. That I love that. I love kind of reaffirming all that. And I hope some of these space headlines like the Orion launch will get us back on that track too. But the other thing that's audacious is just the breadth of the crowdfunding and the funding and the size of it. I mean, people who are used to fan films, you know, on Kickstarter, you know, here's a hundred thousand now and a half million and those are starting to push the envelope. Like Sean said, it's it's a little scary because you think, oh my God, I gotta find forty million in my back pocket all at once. No, it's it'll show the power from when we really can expand it and we do have you know, there are two million Trek and sci-fi and space fans, futurist-looking fans in the world who can afford twenty, you know, a, a overpriced movie or a couple of lattes or something, as we say. So, and we're going after, you know, Sean and Buck and talk about this too. We're going after grants and and uh, gifts from foundations and nonprofits, but but the big chunk of this is we're wanting it to be crowdfunding, and it's almost like compared to the rocket science, it's like that's the most audacious part of the whole thing. Although it's all. It's all pretty amazing, but it's all, all very doable if we all just pull together. All, all of the technology there is there for us to do this. It's just uh, the people. Um, and as uh, Larry was saying, we're not counting on just uh, 2 million people at $20. We're also reaching out to um, some, some corporations for in-kind donations, some corporations on education, uh, institutions on education. So there are, we are working on other uh, – Forms of revenue streams for the project. Yeah, and but it's already had some good responses on those. Yeah. yeah, and I and I really want to uh, emphasize that um, it's my goal to see more of people do this than any one big corporation or something. That it's a people project, not owned, you know, per se by one big corporation saying, "Hey, here's the money, go ahead." Which is what really uh, makes it exciting. And to be honest, I think a, a four-year target, four years isn't that long. It soon rolls round. So, yeah, oh, uh, you know, uh, I've been working on this for four years, and there's a famous quote from Warner Von Braun, the paperwork has to equal the weight of the rocket, and we have about an eight-foot by 12-foot room that we could fill with paperwork. <laughs> um, so we're getting close to almost the paperwork equaling the weight of the rocket. Yeah, no, definitely. I think Warner would have been pretty proud of uh, the Orion launch yesterday if he were with us still. Um, that was incredible, and it, you know, first time a rocket went that a capsule went that far into space um, in 42, 42 years, I believe, over forty years. Yeah, and I was just feeling all kinds of little boy. Yeah, I've said this before, Wayne. I was a NASA kid before I was a Star Trek fan. I was, you know. I, that was ninth grade, but but I was you know when I was a kid growing up the the moon the Gemini's and the moon I, I barely remember the Mercury's but the Gemini's and then the Apollo moon landings when I was a little kid and uh, and um, he was crazy for space so um, this has been good I've been, I've just loved the fact that I was said last night on Twitter that to hear a launch go off and talk about first stage second stage burns and jettisons and 
you know, capsule separation and service module and command module. It, it's just, it's like, oh, yes, we're back into real space mission stuff. As much as everybody loved the shuttle and it was a necessary kind of step, it was just kind of like, okay, it's a space plane. <laughs> Which is yeah, cool, that... you know, but it was just no. cool to have. And to know that we're going to have a, spa a satellite, we have a, you know, a parachuted splashdown with Navy ships going to pick it up again in the ocean. That just that just kills me. And we're looking at some of the same. It's called uh, thermal protection systems um, that actually was used on the Orion. Um, something well, very got, similar to that for reentry. And yeah. then uh, I just want to touch base on this real quick too. Um, we have a company that's joined us that has. Uh, that's what I was going to say. Yes, a, a, a new computer, cognitive computer. Um, State-of-the-art, uh, you know, even more state-of-the-art than Siri. Um, it's cutting edge. Yeah, cutting edge. I was going to say, it's not state-of-the-art yet because they haven't got it there yet. Yeah, well, exactly. It's, it, it, in, in development. <laughs> but they're all uh, IBM guys that, you know, worked on Watson. Um, and it's called Alley. Uh, it's actually called the Enterprise Mind, which is was just a coincidence. Um, it's like nothing we've ever seen before. <laughs> so we do basically have the, the voice of the ship, per se. You know, uh, Pretty much like the voice of the computer on Star Trek, which is really exciting. But thinking, yeah, it's not Siri regurgitated. It's it's actually so the controllers, so the students with their experiments can actually have a vocal interface and then have it go retrieve records and knowledge and and real time stats and and cogitate it and and throw it back. Yeah, it becomes an expert system, and it it is set up in such a way that you have to give it a domain of knowledge that it then studies and learns and then the the voice processing is probably going to be done separately and uh, and I think that there's going to be a mostly text interface first yes it seems like they don't they don't really have an interest in going into the voice synthesis business or voice recognition system because there are specialists in that now. Uh, Texas Instruments tr uh, chips were mentioned for that, and there are other providers. That's not really their core business, so they'll probably put those two together. So they're going to work more on the cake, and because the icing's already out there. Icing's already there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So don't reinvent the icing, but they'll use it in the end, and it'll just because that'll that's what will act. That's what will. What's sad is the guts of it. Or won't be sexy, but the the uh, the sexy well, part. Well, it depends on how you will... feel about intelligent. Uh, I know. <laughs> what I'm going to say is, as a, <laughs> I, I, I get it, but I'm talking about is talking to the masses and getting it across to people. It's the voice that will kind of get the attention, and then people will go, oh, when you can get into the depth of it. So I mean, it's yeah. it's smart. I think you know. finding out Chase Masterson is really smart makes her more sexy. Oh, I, no argument there. No, no argument there. I definitely agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you guys, what do you think? I mean, you haven't said anything. What? Uh, and then we probably ought to let these guys go here pretty soon. Yeah, no, that's what, what I was. That's what I was going to head towards. Go on, Matt. I don't really have a lot to say other of, of, than what Larry's already said. You know, I mean, as someone who grew up as Star Trek, and I got into working with computers and things because of my love of sci-fi and, and, and things like that. Uh, I just think it's a really inspirational project, and I, I think we should encourage as many people as we can to get, in, get involved in it. So we, we do have a ship design contest going. It's only got about two days more, um, but if somebody has a ship on the shelf in their portfolio or something, um, they send can it send it in. Yeah, send it in. Yeah. It's on yeah. uh, 
The website is enterpriseinspace.org, and there's a submission form there. Right, and don't worry about you know it, it'll have to be made space worthy, so that's the caveat. It's like whatever you send in, it'll have to be re-entryable, you know. So um, yeah, we so might have that. to yeah, we yeah. might have to modify it for actual space flight. And so we have engineers lined up to do that. To do that. Mm -hmm. So that's it. No twenty foot nacelles. And uh, another aspect since <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, another aspect yeah. since Orion's up, our chief development officer has gotten. Uh, NASA social media credentials, and he's been reporting. Um, so on our Facebook page, Enterprise in Space, um, will be a whole bunch of Orion publicity and pictures that our chief development officer has taken while he's been down there. Right. Talking about oh, you know, right? And we didn't mention. We need to mention our chief engineer is uh, is Fred uh, Becker, who's a 30-year veteran from the shuttle days through several of the probes. The one that's about to go to Pluto or on its way to Pluto and be woken up, um, and he's yeah, he's going to be he's going to be hands on with our our fabrication, and uh, he's a great guy too. Yep, he works and on. We're going to uh, be hopefully talking to him very shortly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mate, on that note, guys, I know that you're very busy. So what we're going to have to do is get you guys back at some point to uh, discuss how the project's going. Well, twist our arm. Yeah. Yes, fantastic. I highly appreciate that. Yeah, no, that would be uh, great. But thank you so much for joining us, guys. Uh, and people can find out uh, about the projects at enterpriseinspace.org. And uh, make sure that you back the guys because having your name in space would be pretty damn cool. And Enterprise, holidays, I was going to say Enterprise in Space Facebook and at Enterprise Sat on Twitter. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yep, and the. the uh, Oh yes, yes, yes. The virtual crew members would be, you know, great stocking stuffers for the holidays. For you know, to to put in a little plug there, yeah, <laughs> little yeah. holiday plug. You can uh, give the gift of virtual membership to your loved ones. Yes. So you virtual. can get the virtual crew member status yeah. for your favorite space cadet and uh, send them off virtually. Yeah. <laughs> and there and I, is I, a uh, there is a uh, certificate you can you download when you make a donation. So you have something physical to give them for right now too. So you know, school, work, distant relatives, whoever you need to get off your list and you I, can get, you know, and then they'll they'll be tickled cuz they will their name will be in there too and they won't even know it. It'll be a it'll be better than planning a tree or whatever. Definitely. You know, in their name. <laughs> also I just I something just different to... anyway. <laughs> I, I just wanted to add briefly on the education aspect, a lot of the educational student science experiments that go up, the students build, have to build them and pay for building them um, and then pay to have them flown. So uh, your $20 virtual crew member not only gets your name flown but also is helping to fund those student experiments, which is different than most projects where they have to actually pay to fly their experiments up. Yeah, that's what the that's what the fundraising is um, a, a crucial component of it. Right, which blew me away. I didn't know that. I thought, oh, you win this contest and you still pay to have it go up, and we're not doing that. Which they can't do. Students can't pay that. Yeah. Right, right. Well, but I mean, the the sponsoring program doesn't provide for it. You know, mm -hmm. so that's what we're we're undertaking. Yeah. And it actually, in one of our frequently asked questions, is. Uh, you know the money going to student education or whatever, but you know we're hoping to, uh, that younger people that one of them will develop the warp drive <laughs> because we've been asked, is the ship going to use warp drive? No, but hopefully somebody will develop it. <laughs> we're going to work on that. Yeah, we're working come on back that. In, come back in 50 years. 
it's not 2063 yet. No. <laughs> Definitely. But thank you so much for joining us, guys. Really appreciate your time. Thank you thank very, very much. much. Appreciate thank your you, time, Wayne. Thanks to all your listeners, too. Hope they get on board soon. So, no, thank you for bringing the guys over, uh, Larry. It's a really exciting project, and I know that you're going to be ha like, having tons of stuff that you're up to uh, yourself as well. <laughs> well, I hope it's not two ton, uh, not tons, because that gets hard to carry. But, um, but no, I know it was great. Those guys are great. And uh, um, if you have any American listeners, I should also just say that since we're a nonprofit, we're a 501c3 in the IRS code. Which means that everything is tax deductible if you're an American, and also means if you're looking to lower your taxes end of year or before April fifteenth, um, you can you can make an even larger donation than twenty dollars, or get other people's you know make a name for other people, and um, and we can help you out there too. But no, it's just an amazing thing, and that that all just kind of hit me the last six months, kind of swallowed me up because I I really am still working on my other my other projects like the Con of Wrath. When I got into Star Trek Continues and we moved and I did solar cartography last year, the Con of Wrath kind of got blown out of the water. So we've kind of gotten refocused back on that and trying to get it wrapped up here in the next year or two. So that's my mm -hmm. documentary about the crazy uh, meltdown event. I think it was kind of pivotal that happened in Houston in 1982. If anybody hadn't heard me blather on about that, it's at conofwrath.com. And um, you know, we still take uh, – it's a, it's a low-key – Kind of not not unlike Enterprise in Space, but it's a low key fundraiser to send it through PayPal. Um, but no, uh, still recording people. Just did Laura Banks, who who is funny. If you watch Wrath of Khan, she is the Khan female like augment crew member uh, sitting on his right, who actually does most of the action on the bridge. And she says she, she used to kid that she was the one who actually killed Spock because <laughs> she pushed the buttons for the phasers. Um, <laughs> Uh, just got her and more and more people. So anyway, so that's going on, and uh, yeah, um, excellent, interesting year I've had. Yeah, definitely. And also, you've uh, recently had your third installment of uh, uh, Trekland and Speakers. Oh yes, thanks for thanks for asking. Well, if any of your listeners got to um, got to destination London, um, I had them there. Um, uh, but yeah, and if you go online, there's a. I have an international. Uh, postage thing on there. There's a two for number one has gone out of print and, and what we're talking about the on speakers is all my years of, of audio cassette interviews my one hour, two hour sit downs with writers and designers and producers more, more really than the actors mm -hmm. because um, actors are everywhere and everybody talked to them but I was doing my companion, my next generation companion book and then after that even to keep it going the people that really made the decisions, and you really wonder how Star Trek went and why it did and why it didn't go this way or that way on all different levels, they're the people that you ask, not the actors. So um, uh, with all due respect to our lovely charismatic actors with the wonderful stories, uh, <laughs> but uh, they're the ones that really you know, made it go. So I, it dawned on me three or four years ago that, A, I need to get these off cassette tape and get them digitized, and then, B, hey, I should start you know, sharing these more than just a few of them were transcribed for magazine articles. There's a lot of stuff that's never been even used in print, much less heard directly. And they're all just sitting around people's offices. You know, you even – I mean, we make like there, – there's four per – and I'm doing them as CDs, so I have something at a convention. We're going to have them uh, online. Number one is gone out of print, more oh, or less. That was the first one. Yeah. Oh, good, good, good. 
and I'm going to have it online soon. But number two and number three, I use the anniversaries of TNG's finale, the 20 years for all good things, and then uh, this year was the 15th for uh, What You Leave Behind. And the people on both of those, there's four like chunks. Of uh, the first one is for Next Gen is um, Ron and Brannon and uh, Michael Piller, who's no longer with us, and Rick Colby, who died a couple years ago. So there's a couple you won't hear at a convention next year. Um, and then the DS9 one is Ron is uh, Ron and Ira, like 20 minutes of Ira Bear, and uh, um, and Gary Hutzel and Dan Curry in special effects, visual effects. And again, they're both from the time. So these are all from 1994 and 1999. So they're all fresh in the moment comments. So I think they're very cool. And um, if you if you got more people on your list after EIS <laughs> for stocking stuffers and things, maybe uh, your really hardcore Trek people would love love to see those. I think so. Anyway, so go Definitely. go to the, my you know, my Larry website and they're there. And thank you for thank you for asking. I'm not, in, fact, I'm uh, in fact, I saw um, I, I didn't get to see you at London, but I did get to see uh, Matt came by amid, yep. amid the hordes. <laughs> I thought I was there on the, I can't remember which day it was, but um, Max turned up uh, and he was in full. Um, oh, yes. From um, uh, makeup. So that was, that was quite fun. Yeah, they did a, they get into makeup for photo ops, but then they, it's kind of like a, well, why waste it? Why go all that work and just do that? So they did a, he and uh, Aaron did a Rom and Max in character Q&A. And um, as, uh, as, uh, uh, Susie Plaxon did with her Kalar yeah. um, at one point, but um, but yeah, then he's but then even Max is so wacky. He like hates to take it off even then. So he went actually hit the floor and walked around in it. I think he was kind of gauging to see if people thought he was just another Ferengi in really good makeup and costume, or if they got it. <laughs> did you, were, you, were you standing with me, Matt, or did you get it? Uh, oh yeah, no, I was there when you took your you took a you got someone to take a photo of the two of you together, didn't you? Oh, and I, yeah. yeah, I was standing next to him when that happened. I, I saw him. I, I know him well enough to recognize him through the makeup, and he had a, and he had his Mac, he had his uh, convention rom outfit on. Yeah, when he couldn't hear anything that anyone was saying to him. <laughs> yeah. Well, what did you think of the? Here, I'm, I'm turning around here. What did you think okay. of the weekend? I thought it was like I mean, it's only my second proper Star Trek. Event. I've been. I go to like conventions a few times yeah. uh, a year, but um, that's only my second big Star Trek. I mean, you obviously get to a lot more Star Trek events than I did, but I, I had probably a more interesting experience than most people had at uh, Destination because I know Wayne knows this, but I don't know if you know. Were you aware there was a dating event taking place on the Saturday? I caught, there were a lot of things that I wanted to get over to see and I didn't get to, <laughs> and I was quasi aware of that. So how yeah. you say interesting? Which this sounds well. I I met someone as part of that event because the whole event got started because um, they asked me because some people on Twitter were were trying to get me a date and um, they caught Media Ten caught onto it and said we'll arrange a speed dating event and I was like oh, okay fine we'll we'll get involved in that and uh, and yeah and I met someone through that and things are going quite well at the moment so oh so you didn't just little M meet you capital M met <laughs> yes <laughs> as oh that's it that's awesome that's very good. That's it. Most people course, just take a T-shirt home from a convention. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I went to. Da oh, I see it now. It's the T-shirt that says, <laughs> "No, you have a T-shirt for her," and it says, uh, "I went to Destination Star Trek London, and all I got was this lousy girlfriend." Oh no, wait, that's not what I meant to say. <laughs> um, 
instead of t-shirt. No, that is awesome. Now, just be be aware that you know if this actually, and I hope for all the best. Think you know, life is life, but uh, I hope for all the best. And if it does go that way, then you know, be prepared to sell your story there for that company, and you know, get on all their advertising. And, mm -hmm. You know, like they. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, I met I met Terry or Sherry or Mary at the, the you know, whatever. And how and you was your weekend, Larry? Well, what was weird was is all the years that I've written my column and still do in the uh, Titan Star Trek magazine, which mm -hmm. now is sold in the states, and I don't know, if, and I guess they still do two editions so that the spellings are different, you know, and the and the ads are different. Um, but I, you know, I've been doing that since '96 or '97, mm -hmm. and uh, and and then all the years with the fact files, and and then mm -hmm. the years that it wasn't selling as it was, but we were working on the the DVD uh, uh, project that was in <laughs> that was in Japan for about six years. So I had all these. Uh, I was doing a lot more work with with British bosses basically and British colleagues. For years and years and years and years, but I hadn't, and I'd gone to conventions in Germany and some other countries, but I hadn't been to the UK. I was at a little convention that piggybacked onto a Galileo Con in Germany in 2002, but aside from way back at the Generations conventions at the Albert Hall, the first year I covered it and the second year Janet and I were behind the scenes guests. We were, one of our shows, we were out in front of Shatner. And we came off stage, and he came up, and I said, "Well, we warmed him up for you." And he laughed. Um, we got him warmed up for you. Uh, I hadn't been in the UK. I hadn't. I hadn't all these years of having probably a lot of UK listeners and readers, and fans, and I hadn't, you know, been. So I was really tickled to get. And I didn't, you know, the first one they were trying to have a big swath of behind-the-scenes people, and they didn't get there because they said they had so much invested in the captains and and some of the actors and getting it off the ground, but. This time I was lucky enough and privileged enough to be able to be invited over, and I and I enjoyed it. It was too short. I wish I wish Janet had been with me. I wish we'd done a little more touring, you know, sightseeing afterwards. I really didn't. It was really kind of a literally a zoom in and zoom out. Mm -hmm. I think I had one one of my old friends, uh, Allison, that um, actually got me into kind of kicked my butt back into acting. If oh here's a plug, <laughs> totally not Star Trek, but if you want to see a little comedy about British actors in Hollywood. She did a little web series called Divine, Divine White's Introduction to Hollywood, where she plays. She wrote, directed it, and uh, got it cast. And it's a wonderful little thing. I'm like one of two Americans in it, so I play a marketer that's trying to tell them how to do their their uh, their marketing as actors. Anyway, it's very wacky, but it also has a nice character. So it's Divine White's Intro to Hollywood, uh, and there's still a page up with everything in it. So anyway, I got to visit her. But other than that, everybody I knew was either out of town or gone or busy, or I saw them over the weekend. So, you know. But other than that, it was great, and I got to reconnect with uh, with Star Trek people I hadn't seen, and and meet Matt in the flesh, and a lot of other people that I met in the flesh on the run <laughs> that weekend. It was kind of a blur, and met yeah. some of the clubs, some of the people that were doing their own thing, and um, and uh, yeah, met met um, a Brazilian fan who was in England for medical school. Who was a huge Vic Fontaine standards, you know, musical, you know, uh, Sinatra, uh, Rat Pack person who came over for for um, for Jimmy Darren's show over at the club, which was adjacent, and uh, 
and they picked her out because she was just sitting there, obviously like enjoying it so much and mouthing all the words back at them when they sang. And they invited her down to the VIP lounge and and just made her weekend and night. And uh, anyway, so I I did I mentioned her in the blog and I'll mention her her here Heather. So maybe she's listening. So uh, anyway, yeah, that was that was one of the most fun little stories I've uh, fan stories I I'd come across in ages, and it was just fun to watch that happen. But um, no, but the whole weekend was a blast. I just wish I had, was a clone so I could. I did. I missed the speed dating. There were people I meant to get over and talk to, uh, and I say that not anything about my marriage and Janet. I'm just saying I miss coming over and watching it more. I didn't get to come over and uh, check out more of those kind of things happening, and I wish I had. So I I totally understand because that's the thing. I'm gutted that I didn't uh, get to come this time around. But when it was the first time around, uh, myself and Paul were literally hosting fan panels uh, all Saturday and most of Sunday so it was a question of we didn't see hardly any of the con and it's just it, it's mm-hmm. amazing to be there and but then you're gutted that you've missed so much so I, I totally get that feeling and I know the Vegas creation guys at Vegas have already talked about the, the one in in uh, 2016 will be a five day not just four days because of the 50th and they want to cram so much in. Um, next year's is going to be big as a lead up. In fact, you guys, you guys and your listeners, I'm always telling people that if you can, you know, if you can afford it and you can save the cash back, I keep, I'm begging people to come next year to Vegas and not wait until 2016 because it'll be so mega crazy. I don't, you know, I don't mean it'll be on the 120,000 San Diego Comic Con level crazy, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it'll be. Zanier than usual, and I almost like want people to come see what is, is it an oxymoron, oxymoron to say a normal Star Trek convention looks like at, at Vegas. Uh, but I'd like to, people to see what one looks like before the foam is totally on top of the beer for for uh, 2016. If you know what I'm saying, yeah. if you can do that. Oh, and I should say we had a great um, this last year. We had a great uh, 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 LA to Vegas uh, Star Trek tour with Geek Nation Tours last year. We Another did the first one in 2012. Tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 2014, and we changed it up, and we went out to the Valley of Fire. And one thing we did in our research was find out that the Generations filming company, 20 years ago, right, uh, when they were done, gave gave the killer bridge, not the pretty one with all the blinky lights, mm-hmm. uh, but the killer bridge that killed Kirk, um, they gave that to the state park there, Valley of Fire State Park in Nevada, and they're using it over a creek. They put it into use, and you can go out now and stand, and, and that's what we did. So if you go to the Facebook page for Geek Nation Tours and go down to uh, – or look at my post on my Trekland blog, uh, we took a big group picture. In fact, we even did an add-on one-day tour. So we had about 15 on the main tour, and then we had about 15 come on just for a one-day out there because we went over to uh, where they filmed you know, the whole uh, Viridian 3 scenes with Malcolm McDowell. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'd hope to have Mike Westmore with us, but um, Face Off on Sci-Fi, they filmed their finale that day, and he couldn't come to Vegas until two days later. But um, we also, aside from the film site, we went over to where the bridge was, and everybody had to take pictures on it. And I, and then I started to stampede because I got underneath, and it's just a sa- shallow, dry creek bread. Bed, so you can creek bread, creek bed, so you can get underneath it. And I got under it and did like dead Kirk under the bridge, <laughs> and, and then everybody had to do that. 
So you can see a lot of fun pictures. So the end of the, sh the bottom, of the sh I went back and was talking to people I knew that worked in start, like worked at CBS, and, and told Rod this and uh, my friend John that worked at CBS. A lot of people, and they're like, "What? What? They have the bridge?" And like, no one knew, no one knew, and they don't, they don't really like hype it up and say, you know, like the Kirk Death Bridge, twenty miles ahead. I mean, nobody does that. It's kind of funny. So they're barely, you have to dig to find it, even in their brochures and things. So. That was on top of everything else we did, uh, you know, new and different and the same. That was a hoot. So the next tour is going to be um, 2016, and we're working on. Terrace and I are working on. Uh, we're going to try to incorporate San Francisco into it. So you hit some San Francisco, take a short hopper flight down to L.A., and then we do L.A. and wind up at the Vegas convention. So everybody, you know, go over to GeekNationTours.com and and uh, we haven't got the new one posted yet, but but. Uh, get on the Facebook page and um, be watching, and we'll make sure and get the word out. So we're we're planning something really, really still very uh, doable, but a, a little bit bigger and a little bit tweaked. For, we'll keep the best of the old and add in some new on the tour for 2016. So, other than that, I know the guy uh, John and everybody at CBS is talking about all the incredible things they're trying to want to do. Of course, my thing would be to come out and announce a new series somehow. That's somehow. what everybody would really want. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm sure the movies have been great, and I, I, I count them very much as their own entity, and I appreciate them as their own thing. But I'm sure the majority of fans would all be ecstatic to see Star Trek back on yeah. the small screen. Well, I, the best thing about having a blog is that all these things I'd say, well, you know, I said this. <laughs> I said this, and I can't prove it now. But I was saying, you know, before 09, well, whether this – and nobody could get it then because everybody was so excited for the movie, and we were in such a different time period as fans. But I said whether it's a hit or a flop, it's still just a movie, and people <laughs> thought I was criticizing the movie before it ever came out. And I'm like, no, no, no. And then finally after it kind of came out and time went by, <laughs> and people were like, oh – yeah, I get it. Uh, yeah, we need we need twenty or twenty two hours of, even ten, even yeah. you know the BBC HBO model now. We need ten or twelve hours of TV Star Trek, not just two hours every three or four years. So well, well that's the thing. It's, it's when you only have it in movie format. It's it, I know they try the very best to get the general public on board, and they've created new fans through it and everything, but. Uh, it, because there's always just because of the amount of time that production takes for a movie, uh, it means that there's a huge gap. That means it's never in everybody's the front of their mind. It's, well, right, right, yeah. And if you're a, if you're an existing fan, and you've got your Trek itch, and there's not there, what are you going to do? You're going to run off and do podcasts and do fan films and do more fan fiction and. Learn CGI and learn cosplay. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're going to get your Star Trek fix. I mean, I've I've said the best that you you talked about the JJ movies and bringing in new fans, and they brought in tons and tons and tons of new fans. As also the Blu-ray projects for Next Gen and for the original series have done that, and mm -hmm. and and a lot of other things fans are finding out to do. Just you know, the publicity around that. But I my finally came up with this phrase. I call the JJ movies the best gateway drug for Star Trek we've ever had. You know, because you get hooked, you you get those, and then you go on and get really hooked on something else. And if you're going to really feed that, we need a, we definitely need a series back on. No, so, definitely. Yeah. But it's yeah. some new fans that I'm really jealous of because it's all new to them. They've got this yeah, huge catalog. 
So yeah, cool. I keep meeting those people too, and that's why that's why Star Trek Continues was kind of a lot of fun because a lot of people, the the fan film that I got to play McCoy in twice among and there's a lot of fan films and a lot of people are finding that as an outlet and my friends at Axonar are working on that and um, our old friends at Farragut and my my old hometown people in Oklahoma City have Starbase Studios and and they've got two or three projects there's an educational project coming out called Grissom. I mean, there's it's uh, in one way there's there's a little bit of vetting and there's a lot of excited fans <clears throat> and it seems like every month that goes by someone's announcing a new fan film somewhere and you know there are a lot of work uh, as much as there excitement to to talk about and think about and you got to still have to do the, you know walk the walk and talk the talk and sometimes it's about fundraising and sometimes it's just about even doing a short you know five or ten minute takes a ton of work even if you don't have to fundraise for it but um, with no hope of ever making profit you know or else. CBS does a cease and desist on you if you violate the fan, f the fragile fan film credo that we have now, that lets all this happen, and we can't mm -hmm. ever forget that. But, um, but yeah, the ones that do break through and are able to come together and make it, you know, I my hat is off to all of them, no matter what level of you know quasi professionalism or professionalism they're at. The the ones at the top are just amazing to watch. Uh, hats off to Phase Two for getting the their their newest one out just recently. Um, uh, my poor my poor friends with Excalibur in in Vegas that were building sets and then got into a dispute with the brother of their <laughs> their landlord and the two brothers didn't talk and one of them sold their building and it was bulldozed and they lost their three fourths built sets and they had they had to start over again. But I mean you know it's like kind of like a wacky landscape there, but. Uh, yeah. um, uh, yeah. So so anyway, but continues was was so well received that um, Vic Mignogna's project that I got to play McCoy in that people came up and said that they said it feels like lost episodes, which was you know incredibly gratifying to hear. And and they're about to go back and shoot um, two more in January. So I'm gonna go back out and I've got stuff on my blog that I haven't even put up yet from talking to everybody on the sets um, the last time. Uh, the one, the Mirror Universe one, which got a lot of popularity, fairest of them all, and one, and actually now Star Trek Continues won uh, a Geeky Award, which has a lot of different categories. They were best online series, and they were in the Burbank International Film Festival and won best new media um, this year. So there's some actual awards they can hang on the page. So that's been a lot of fun. Um, and I'm still a creative consultant, and I just got the scripts for four and five, and they're basically brilliant. I only had – here's the point. I was actually sitting here wondering – I wanted to go look up and read if McCoy gave his – tended to give his medical logs saying the individual digits or rounding them off. Like did he say 6547 or did he say 6547? <laughs> but that's the kind of thing – that was the level it was at. Like I had no other red flags with anything, and then I was reading that and went, hmm. Now, did McCoy run his together, or did he say them as individual numbers, or was there a pattern? And I'm overthinking this. I mean, that's where my head was because there was nothing else to to quibble about. So anyway, nice. so we'll see. So yeah, so um, so I don't know. I and you know, I it was great to meet all the British fandom going on. It's it feels like it's exploding over your way too. When I was in London, so how? I mean, what what's your take on that? Uh, clubs and films and just activities and events and everything. There's definitely more podcasts uh, jumping up uh, left, right, and centre. There's uh, more club. I'm always getting invites to clubs that are just forming or events that are about to be going on. 
so it is the hunger is there. The hunger is yeah. most definitely there. Yeah, and it's international. I mean, oh, I should do a shout out to the Rikers Beard who had a side event going that went over and took part in <laughs> while I was at, at London. Uh, but yeah, and that's worldwide. That's with the Germans and Australians and and all these little countries that they're trying to get the market built up in that you know weren't big out of the gate the way they handled all the original reruns, but they're trying to use the movies to go out and stake stake ground in. Yeah. Um, you know, Mexico. I, I've got a friend who's in the biggest sci-fi Star Trek club in Mexico, and they had their first convention there in Mexico City two years ago. I mean, you know, and I'm hearing from people in Brazil and. And uh, and of course the Italians and some of the other countries in Europe, the Czechs. I've got friends, you know, around there, all of whom are also helping us translate and do spread the word for EIS, by the way, too. So I should I should do a shout out for you guys. We we're looking for volunteers. That's one thing we forgot to say when we had everybody on a while ago. But if we have anybody there in the country who is in love with the Enterprise in Space idea and wants to be kind of a volunteer for us, you know, at local conventions or clubs or whatever, um, I've already got one group. Uh, the um, FDC, uh, I mean FCD, first contact. FCD, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna do something on Skype with them this year, and we're gonna have an EIS presence there, and uh, we're looking to do that kind of thing. You know, maybe not with conventions, but even just like local space clubs or sci-fi clubs or Star Trek chapters or wherever we can spread the word. You know, science education, PTA. I don't know what you have in the in UK, but. But you know, school yeah. support groups that need a speaker and want to talk in science, because the not to totally retcon this back to our discussion, but the rollout, Lynn's rollout that she wants to do outreach to te not just science teachers, but teachers in general, creative. We call it STEM, and then now they're calling it STEAM for science, technology, um, engineering, and math, and then, and then throwing and then throwing the math and the uh, uh, arts in there too, so you're not leaving the arts out. Um, that's going to be exciting and a, and a big part of this too, aside from the hardware. So anyway, I'm, I'm going in circles here, I feel like. But um, <laughs> but it is. It's an exciting time. I was so down a few years ago. My whole thing was like get a show back on the air, get a show back on the air. But if nothing else, we've kind of had a renaissance in grassroots fandom and everybody finding the way to scratch their itch. And it's hopefully had a lot of you know, incredible spinoffs. Yeah, no, definitely. You know? That's the thing. It is... It is the phase that Star Trek went through in the uh, like seventies, early eighties, just mm -hmm, with mm -hmm. the new technology behind it to like just allow fans to be that much more creative with it. Yeah, but definitely, definitely. Yeah. But uh, anyway, we're heading towards the end of our time, Larry. So I just want yes, to say, yes, we've probably uh, gone a little over. We got to talking more than I thought, but. I just like anytime I get a chance to talk to you guys across the pond, it's it's fun because it's interesting to compare notes and yeah, and it's you know we're all one big happy fleet. So exactly, and that's the thing, Larry. You know that you're always welcome on. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And oh, uh, great, 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 thanks. That's the thing. Remember, guys, Christmas is coming up. If you uh, want something special to uh, get for your loved one, then uh, either get them a uh, virtual crew membership on the uh, Enterprise in Space over at enterpriseinspace.org and also head over to uh, larrynemichek.com. Make sure that you get yourself a copy of Trekland on speaker. Uh, postage isn't that much for both volume two and three. It's only uh, $7 to the UK. That's right, the thing. Right. It, yeah. That's nothing. That's really And I'll nothing. sign it. If it's a gift, tell me how you'd like it signed. And I'll, I mean, I'll sign any of them, but if you have it going to person, I'll be happy to 
break the shrink wrap and sign it over. So yeah. yeah. Oh, and right. you know what? I didn't even mention it all. Real quick, if I if you really want something unique, be checking out the Trekland trunk. Go to the Facebook page for that because that's where my archive, like first draft scripts and blueprints and one-off studio crew gifts that I were getting rid of and getting the space out of here. So that's been going for a year if you're not familiar with that. So if you just sign on the Twitter or the Facebook for Trekland and Trunk, uh, Tre Trekland Trunk, um, that's my that's my non-smarmy way of, of of getting things out to fans without look, feeling like I'm you know like a used car salesman or something. So. Well, uh, I've, I've been trying to make uh, myself a lot more uh, like vocal on Facebook in the last uh, week, so I'm going to uh, uh, I'll uh, pimp that out on the page as well for you. I've got I've got a suggestion as well, which is nothing to do with Larry, but while we're on the subject of Christmas presents, um, if you know someone who's into Star Trek music like I am, uh, La La Land Records this week released a yes. CD yes. set of uh, Enterprise music. Which is uh, it's just great because there hasn't been much of that released commercially in the last few years. So that's one of the things I would like to do. One of the reasons I'd like to go to an American convention because the composers never get over here, and I would love to talk to Dennis or Ron or Jay just to have a chat with them about about you know the whole experience of well, you know, Star Trek. Yeah, you know the real crime is that you don't see them that often at conventions here, which is a crime yeah. and should happen. More, they're they're almost more at the events here in L.A. When La La Land has an opening event, they'll you know they'll be there. I got to, I, the one I really remember is the original series, the huge original series yeah. event a couple of years ago. In fact, I've got video from that I haven't put up that um, uh, not Saul Kaplan, who's the composer. Uh, um, oh my God, who's the composer still with? It? Gerald Freed. Gerald, Gerald yeah. Freed did a live like trio medley of about five or six of his compositions live, and I could not believe that no one was recording it and taped it. And I got in after the first song. I started my video recorder, and I need to put that up. I've got one guy in particular bugging me about it. But you know, he's doing he's doing you know to hear him on a little recorder doing Finnegan's theme from Shore Leave, and then he's doing yeah. and then they're doing the Amok Time fight song, you know, and they're doing it live, and it's the guy that wrote it, and it's it was 2013, and you're just like, oh my god. So and then I couldn't believe that no one was recording it. People anyway. I do have most of it, and I'm gonna put that up too. So um, and I think that's still available too. Talking about your Christmas gifts, but yeah, the Enterprise yeah. is new. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, not to bust right, your so. bubble, Matt, but that's a that's a point they need to work on is get more composers out every year. Yeah. yeah. So once again, thank you for joining us, Larry. My name's been Wayne Emery. Uh, my name's been Matt Warwick. And this is Doctor Trek Larry Nimichek, and that's Trekmate. <laughs> It's the most spectacular time of the year When the Borg come attacking And Klingons are packing And Romulans sneer It's the most spectacular time of the year It's the class, classiest series you know with those ships that are flying and people all trying to boldly go. It's the class, classiest series you know. There'll be tricorders reading and tribbles of feeding, new life forms to see all the way. There'll be planets for searching and bridges are jerking as forces unknown come to play. It's the most spectacular time of the year. 
There'll be much to discover An alien lover And blue-looking beer It's the most spectacular time Of the year There'll be tricorders reading And tribbles of feeding New life forms to see all the way There'll be planets for searching and bridges are jerking as forces unknown come to play. Come to play. It's the most spectacular time of the year. There'll be reruns reviewing, techno babble spewing, and big pointy ears. It's the most Spectacular time! It's the most spectacular time! It's the most spectacular time of the year! You've been listening to the Trekmate Podcast. Would you like to get a hold of us? Visit trekmate.org.uk and boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Make it so. Prepare to attack. All hands battle station. Don't worry. We will get to the bottom of this. All right. Is a tall ship and a star to steer by. I don't want excuses, I want answers. Am I authorized to enter the neutral zone? How do you think that tells me about your character? Captain's log, stardate 3541.9. Program complete. Enter when ready.